Last year, I had the opportunity to list my Montecito guest house on Airbnb. This was part of a special project that Airbnb spearheaded to build connection and to make the world feel a little less lonely. It was such a pleasure to get to know my Airbnb guests over dinner and share my home with them so that they could rest and recharge on their trip. But typically, the beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Being a host on Airbnb is great for those who travel frequently, have extra space, or own a seasonal home. If you've stayed at an Airbnb, you know the unique experience it offers. And now you can share that same experience with others in addition to earning additional income on the side. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. Don't hold anything too tightly. Just wish for it, want it, let it come from the intention of real truth for you, and then let it go. For me, our soul is like, it's unbound, it's limitless, but we will use words to limit ourselves. When people stop believing that somebody's got your back or Superman's coming, we turn to ourselves and that's where you become empowered. Courageous participation attracts positive things. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow, and this is the Goop Podcast, where we bring together thought leaders, scientists, healers, creatives, and seekers. I'm so grateful to be able to interview these bright minds and share their incredible wisdom with you. And I especially love listening to the conversations that are led by my brilliant co-host and friend, Erica Chitty. Erica is the CEO and co-founder of Loom, and she's been a part of the Goop family since the beginning days. We believe that simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. I'll let Erica fill you in on her guest today. My guest today is Dr. Robin Burzen. Robin is the founder and CEO of Parsley Health and the author of the new book called State Change. It's a fantastic book about how our bodies drive our moods, minds, and energy levels. In it, Robin offers a step-by-step guide for hitting reset and a pathway for unlocking more clarity, ease, and focus. Her wisdom is such a gift. At Parsley Health, she's helped thousands of women overcome chronic issues by combining the best of modern medicine with a functional holistic approach. Robin shares her advice for living with more vibrancy, the things we need to be keeping in mind when it comes to heart disease, especially for women, and how to best support ourselves from the inside out. Okay, let's get right to my conversation with Dr. Robin Burson. You founded Parsley Health in 2016. How did you get into holistic medicine? You know, what what made you want to take a different approach and really look at functional medicine as the focus? You know, I actually went to medical school being kind of this weirdo who was already interested in holistic health, integrative medicine, yoga, nutrition. I had kind of found my way to those things in my personal life back in my early twenties in New York. And they were my passions that got me into health. And then health got me into medicine because I never thought I'd be a doctor like in undergrad or growing up or anything. And so when I finally got myself to medical school, it was with this notion that A more holistic approach to health was something that was really interesting and could be really powerful, but it wasn't until I was sort of in medical training in med school and residency that I saw how important, I guess, it 
felt to me that it would be that we brought this medicine to more people because I saw this well-intentioned and very science-backed and high-powered, but ineffective revolving door in our primary care setting where we were simply sending people to a zillion specialists and handing people stacks and stacks of prescriptions and 15 minute visits and how we were ignoring these very clear underlying drivers of the top conditions we're facing today and how most of the conditions we face today are lifestyle modifiable, if not completely reversible. And yet we were just getting sicker and sicker and sicker over time. So I went to medical school with this notion that that's what I was passionate about, but then somehow on the other side of training became inspired through learning functional medicine, through learning integrative medicine, through training in that practice and through seeing what was happening in the conventional world that, okay, it's not just that this is like a personal interest. This is, there has to be a better way. And I want to be part of bringing that forward in some way. So you've talked about the fact that the story of your health is actually the story of your life. I'm really curious about just the journey of a person or a patient at Parsley. You know, you really kick off with a full body assessment and you really do a lot of history intake. I really felt that when I came in many years ago, right when you first started, that this, the, this provider I was working with really wanted to know about me. And that felt so different and it was really powerful. It's critical, right? The, most of the conditions we have today, whether it's a gut health issue, whether it's a mood issue, whether it's autoimmune, hormones, fertility, acne, migraines, all the stuff that we all live with, most of it doesn't like fall out of the sky and hit us on the head. We live our way to it. And so we need to understand what we call your health biography. We want to know if you were born C-section or vaginally. We want to know your childhood. Were you in a safe, happy home? Was there trauma? What conditions do you have? Did you have what hospitalizations, what medications? Same for your teenage years. Were you on the pill for 20 years? Did you have a lot of antibiotics at one point that could have really impacted your gut microbiome that could be leading to your gut health issues a decade or two decades later? And so much of of medicine today is very reactive and episodic. And you walk in and you say, I have a migraine. And the doctor says, here's a pill for that migraine, the pain. And, and, and what we found is that that doesn't work. We need to take the time to get to know you as a person, to know your story, your health biography, your life story, and to connect the dots to why you have what you have today and where it came from. Because oftentimes I'll talk to someone and I'll say, when did you last feel well? when did you last feel great? And when you ask that question, a lot of times it's not like last week. It's like last year or five years ago or 10 years ago. And then I'll say, well, what happened then? What was going on? Did you switch jobs? Did you go through a breakup? Did you lose someone? Did you have a surgery, an accident? Was there a major change in your diet? Did you have some sort of infection? Were you treated for something? And then when we trace back, we're able to really understand what's happening with you today on another level. That makes so much sense to me. And it really leans into the focus of your new book, State Change. You know, people often think that they need to have some, you know, overwhelming, big 
transition in their health, especially at this time of the year when people are thinking about, you know, new resolutions or detoxing or just right-sizing how they're eating. But you really lean into the fact that they don't think about that root cause and they don't really think that some of the root cause could be mental and emotional, not just their physical health. So can you talk a little bit more about what you mean when you say state change and and why you chose that as the title of the book? I feel that we're all capable and I've seen it in thousands of patients of having this elevated baseline of our mental and emotional health. And what I've also seen over and over again is a lot of times there's physical blockers to our peak mental and emotional health that we're not aware of, that our doctors aren't pointing out to us or even testing for, and they could be getting in the way. And so we get told, right, mental health is in your head. But what I see over and over again, I've seen in patients that is oftentimes the unlock is in the body. And so I wanted in state change to put out the methodology, the recipe, the prescription for how to achieve that mental and emotional state change through the physical. And Some of these blockers are the foods we're eating every day, food allergies, excessive amounts of sugar, which is everywhere, no matter how healthy you are or think you are. Some of these are chronic conditions we have or don't know we have. Either we know we have them, but haven't connected the dots between how our bloating is causing our brain fog, or it could be a condition that we don't know we have because 70% of younger people don't have a primary care doctor anymore. So no one's testing them for their blood sugar and their heart health and their nutrient deficiencies and their thyroid. And so when you have someone come in and say, I've been gaining weight and I've been exhausted and I've been depressed for years and this antidepressant isn't helping me. And we identify a thyroid problem that everybody else missed. It's like, so it's so critical that we understand that there are things in the body that can absolutely shape and either elevate or bring down that baseline of a mental emotional health. And by the way, that's whether you are dealing with a family history of depression and anxiety, whether you experience trauma in your life and your depression, anxiety comes from that, or if you're experiencing the depression, anxiety, burnout, brain fog, fatigue, that has become just like a side effect of modern living. Wherever you fall on that spectrum, if you're trying to feel better in your mental and emotional well-being, but we are, we're ignoring the physical or we're not given the tools to address the physical, I describe it like it's like trying to climb Everest but not getting to base camp. Like you're just not going to get there. And so we've just seen over and over again in our practice how these physical unlocks I would always be surprised, right? Because somebody would come to me for their bloating or for their irregular periods or their PCOS or their endometriosis or they're trying to get pregnant or their headaches or whatever the physical thing was. And for a while I was like, wow, it's really interesting how when we address that, the anxiety that they also have, the depression, the fatigue, they also have also get better. And I'm like, well, of course, right? You know, you're dealing with pain. You're dealing with a condition that's worrisome. You're dealing with a condition that's horrible for you. Of course, when that gets better, you're going to mentally and emotionally feel better, but it was more than that. It was clearly something else. And that's when I started really kind of connecting the dots between what's happening here in our physical and what's happening in our minds. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. When it comes to putting together your home, a great rug can make all the difference. A rug is really what pulls a room together and creates harmony. 
Nordic Knots offers a curated collection of rugs and timeless, high-quality essentials. They collaborate with leading designers and are the insider rug brand gracing some of the world's most beautiful homes. They have a wide-ranging collection, but we'll just talk about a few favorites today. The luxurious Grand Collection is known for its simple design, stunning colors, and high-quality wool. But if you're feeling a bit more bold, their designer collaborations are made with world-renowned designers and interior architects. Their Goodweave certified rugs are handmade and woven in all natural materials, like their super soft and beautiful New Zealand wool. At Nordic Knots, they make the process of rug shopping easy and enjoyable. And they always offer fast and free shipping from the US. To explore their rug collections, head to nordicknots.com. Use promo code INNERCIRCLE to get free rug samples. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. What are the diagnostic tests that you feel that people should be asking their doctor to assess their baselines? You know, where do you start? So I write all these out, like literally the exact test names, like wonky words like TSH and ESR and (laughs) HSCRP, high sensitivity C-reactive protein for all of you out there who are, you know, following along with the medical acronyms. I... I write it out in the book, what tests to ask for. So these tests are blood tests. You can get them from a regular doctor. They're covered by insurance, or if you don't have insurance, they're very cheap. And yet we live in a culture that's very reactive when it comes to our health, not proactive. And so a lot of times these things are brewing under the surface and they could be reversed, but no one's testing them. And so it's thyroid, it's inflammatory markers like ESR, HSCRP, ANA, It's heart health markers, it's blood sugar markers, fasting insulin, fasting glucose, and uh, hemoglobin A1C as well. It's nutrient levels like your B vitamins, your ferritin, your vitamin D3. Vitamin D deficiency can drive depression. And most people are vitamin D deficient. Like, I don't know about you, you are in a sunny place. I am in the darkest of dark New York right now, but I don't like spend 15 minutes a day walking around naked in the sun. So I'm not getting adequate vitamin D from sunlight exposure. And most people aren't either. So testing these very basic things can be an initial kind of unlock. And I talk about those in the book. They're all written down so that you could literally just take that page out of the book. It's in chapter 10 and like hand the page to your doctor and be like, test me for these things. And then we talk about some more in-depth testing, things like hormones, microbiome, even genetics that I fall into what I call the fancy pants camp that you might need to see a doctor like Parsley or a doctor trained in running those types of tests. But I don't think you need to start there. I think the, the most of us just need to start with the basics and there can be really powerful unlocks from there. So you just talked about heart health and heart health indicators in terms of the testing. I'd love to just dig in a little bit about heart health in women. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Most people don't realize that it's something we really need to be paying attention to. And so much of that has to do with the women's health gap. Yes. Heart disease is the number one killer in the United States still. And it's something that we develop over years and decades, right? It doesn't just sort of show up one day. And it got kind of labeled a long time ago as a man's disease, but that was never true. And so because a lot of the studies were done on men, because men in the early days, and it's better now, but in the early days of research, oftentimes women would be 
like excluded from research studies because the menstrual cycle and vacillations of in hormones would be seen as like a confounding factor in understanding women's health. Now the Framingham health study, which is a big famous study that looked at, you know, tens of thousands of women really debunked that and showed that heart disease is a women's health issue, just as much as a, it's a men's health issue. And the message I want everyone to understand about heart disease is that heart disease is largely a disease of metabolism and inflammation. So we got schooled on this idea. Also, if you were like me growing up in the eighties or, you know, in the past that heart disease comes from like eating too much fat. And that is not true. Most of the fat that you eat, cholesterol that you eat is not really even absorbed in the gut. And most of the cholesterol that's causing heart disease is actually made in the body by the liver. And LDL is an antioxidant. It's a response to inflammation. LDL is the cholesterol marker that if you go get your cholesterol checked, they're always like more bad, less good. And when we under, as we've understood heart health even better, we've understood that high blood sugar, which is rampant, something like two thirds of the country has metabolic syndrome, which is dysfunctional blood sugar metabolism. And a third is diabetes or close. When you have high blood sugar, that actually impacts your cardiovascular health. And that leads to inflammation in the body and then chronic inflammation leads to heart disease. And as your liver makes LDL, the quote unquote bad cholesterol, it's not dumb. Our bodies aren't stupid. Your body's actually pumping out LDL in some partially in an attempt to quell the inflammation in the cardiovascular system. And so it's really interesting that if we go back to the root, right, if we go back all the way, because that's what we're about here is root cause medicine, it comes down to the foods that we're eating every day, how we're moving and blood sugar management and inflammation that are the biggest drivers of heart disease. And these things in modern society and the way that we typically live today spare, particularly women, but oftentimes women are not getting the proactive care that they need. One in five women feels ignored by her healthcare provider. I talk to countless women who feel like they don't have time to even ask the questions that they have. And then again, the final message I'll share about proactivity, especially with heart disease is like, by the time you're having chest pain, we are way too late. Like we are, we have jumped the shark. We are on the other side of this picture. So heart disease is not something that shows up. Even high blood sugar doesn't show up right for you until it's really bad until we're causing what's called in medicine, end organ damage, right? Diabetes can cause numbing of the feet and frequent urination and even ultimately vision, blurry vision and blindness. Ultimately these things happen late in the game. And so it's just critical that as women, we are taking our health seriously. And by that, I mean, taking, taking the time for ourselves to be proactive and to get some of these tests, because we can't wait for our bodies to speak up for these kinds of diseases. What kind of foods or diet do you think are best for women in supporting our bodies, especially with so many different types of styles of eating being recommended or popular, for example, intermittent fasting, really curious on your take on something like intermittent fasting and just what do you think is best? Yeah. Well, sort of the general way to eat that is going to like massively improve your health and improve your digestion, improve your mental clarity and energy, improve your skin, make you younger, prevent a lot of these chronic conditions that we're talking about today 
And, you know, it's not magic, it's medicine, food is medicine. And when we cut out refined sugar and processed foods, we cook our food and we eat mostly plants, high quality protein, like fish and, and meat, but from really high quality sources, lots of nuts and seeds, lots of fiber from again, whole vegetables and fruits, uh, whole grains, meaning you can see the grain, not a grain that's been pulverized into a flour and turned into a cookie chip cracker or other thing that pops out of a bag, but an actual grain you can see like the rice or the quinoa. When you eat this way and you get rid of the refined sugars and the refined flours and the omega-6 fat, fats, which are our vegetable oils that are again, mostly in processed and packaged food, your body will heal. And you will begin to see amazing changes. And so that's kind of the baseline that we recommend before we get fancy, because there is so much noise out there around food. And there's so many diets that are like hyper, hyper specific to the point of like, I can eat this legume, but not this one and this tomato, but not this, you know, raisin. And you're like, what? I, mean, I think it's a lot simpler than that. And so we outline that in the book. And then when it comes to intermittent fasting, which I do talk about in the book, I'm going to be a little controversial here, but I, you know, you see a lot of people talking about intermittent fasting, not being appropriate for women. And I think that's overblown. I think intermittent fasting can be really helpful and can be great for uh, metabolism. It can be helpful for lowering inflammation. And if you're intermittent fasting in the way that, you know, you finish dinner by 8 PM and then you wait and skip breakfast and eat lunch the next day, you're still eating plenty of calories. You're still eating really well in that eight hour feeding window. You would not want to do this if you're pregnant, breastfeeding, trying to get pregnant, or if fasting were a trigger for you around your relationship with food. If for instance, if you have an eating disorder, I wouldn't recommend it for any of that. But I feel like those use cases have sort of gotten overblown into this like blanket message that women can't do intermittent fasting. And I, I don't believe that's true. I don't see that to be true in my patients where we are doing regular testing and much more prolonged fasting. Yes. You could start to mess with your thyroid, mess with your hormones, but you know, as a mama of three in particular, who helps a lot of women think about intermittent fasting and has done it a lot herself, there are certainly times not to do it, but I think it can be an effective tool. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. CarbonX is an environmental company that aims to empower people to make a positive impact on the planet. They've created a simple platform to help you make up for your carbon emissions by supporting climate-friendly projects. You can earn shareable badges based on how long you've been offsetting, and your subscription will go towards supporting new initiatives and carbon offsetting projects that have been independently verified to have removed CO2 from the atmosphere. You can choose a project that is meaningful to you, such as planting trees in deforested regions of the Amazon and investing in energy efficient and renewable resources around the world. For the Goop podcast team, CarbonX wanted to cover our team's carbon footprint. They donated a subscription for us to support an energy efficient cook stoves program in Uganda. To learn more about CarbonX, head to their website at carbonx.com. That's carbon with a K X.com or download the CarbonX app. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. And what about supplements? What are your feelings about that? Thinking about something else that's typically overblown or hyper-prescribed and overly specified. What's your go-to? 
You know, supplements are wacky, right? Because one camp says that they're totally ineffective and a waste of money and just give you expensive pee. Another camp says that they're dangerous. And then it's still another camp feels like they're, you know, the solution to everything. And I think the answer is neither, none of those things. Supplements that are high quality, professional grade, and that are recommended to you based on your data, either your health history or your lab tests can be really powerful tools. Other supplements are a total waste of time. And a lot of the ones on the shelves, they're not going to hurt you, but they have so little of the bio of the active ingredient in a bioavailable form that it is just like taking expensive water. And so it, the, the truth is, as in many things falls in the middle. There are a few supplements that I see benefit most people that we have as our, what we call the kind of state change starter kit for supplements, because there are a few things that I see most people really benefit from when it comes to mental health and immunity and overall energy and just support for the crazy lives that we all live. And those start with my favorite vitamin D3, because most of us, most people, we test at Parsley across the country. And we have members all over America at this point are vitamin D deficient or borderline vitamin D deficient and certainly not vitamin D optimal. So vitamin D3, K2. I like having the K2 with the vitamin D because K2 means that the calcium that you absorb into your body, vitamin C is critical for our calcium metabolism that our bones need. The K2 along with the D3, make sure that the calcium that you absorb goes into your bones and not your heart, which is what we want. So I recommend about 5,000 units of that every day. And if you get tested and you need less or more, your provider will tell you that. I highly recommend omega-3 fatty acids, not only mood boosting, but critical for managing inflammation, for building healthy brain cells. 60% of our brains are made of fat and they're not supposed to be made of vegetable oil. I will tell you that. So getting your good omega-3s in is really important. And most people don't get enough of them. The average American eats about a 26 to one ratio of omega-6s to omega-3s. And it should be more like a four to one because we have so many vegetable oils in our, in everything and prepared foods and pro processed foods. So getting that ratio up and eating your good omega-3s in the forms of food, like your wild salmons, but also in forms of supplement, really powerful. And I'm a huge fan of methylated B vitamins. 60 to 70% of us have some form of a variant of a genetic variant called MTHFR, which isn't a mutation. It's just a variant. It's not a disease, but it does change the way that you metabolize things like neurotransmitters, like dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine. So we recommend methylated B vitamins. And for a lot of people, it's a huge mood booster, energy booster. If they take them every day, I've, I have two copies of that variant and I really feel it. If I don't take my methylated Bs, like after about three days, I kind of work through my system because um, B vitamins are water soluble. What your body can't use that day, it will pee out, but your body will get, if you're not taking them regularly, your body will kind of naturally go through its stores and taking them every day makes a huge difference for me. You're nodding. So I don't know. Do you have the same yeah. thing? I think for me, starting to take glutathione was like a really big like shift. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, like I need that. <laughs> yeah. Are you taking, what type are you taking? Liposomal, acetyl, liposomal. Yeah. Liposomal, yeah. yeah. Those are great. That's, that's that. recommended by my amazing person doctor. <laughs> there you go. Parsley doctor showing up. But it's important everyone hears that you, what you just said, which is liposomal glutathione, right? A lot of the supplements just out on the shelves are not, again, when I say bioavailable, 
Meaning like you might put them in your mouth, but your body is not actually absorbing them or using them if they're in the wrong form. So there might be something that says glutathione, but glutathione is highly unbioavailable if it's not in a liposomal form. And then the other thing I like to do in addition to liposomal glutathione is NAC, N-acetylcholine, which is the building block for glutathione. And for those people who are like, what on earth are these people talking about? Glutathione is a really powerful antioxidant and that's works inside our cells and people can feel a lot better when they're taking it regularly. So thinking about just generally living with more vibrancy and feeling more present in our physical form, what's your best baseline advice for someone who's like, okay, I got all of this. What do I do right now? What do I do is I hit pause and walk back into my life. (laughs) Yes. You know, it first, I recommend starting with this little self-assessment and we have this in the book that you can walk yourself through. And I say that because, and I'll get to like my quick hits, but like you might be meditating every day, but you might be living on, I don't know, candy bars. Right. And so in your case, then I'd be like, well, cool. Awesome on meditation, but ditch the candy bars. So that's like an extreme example, maybe. But when I say head to toe self assessment, I I've seen over and over again, it is impossible, like impossible to know where you're going. If you don't measure where you're starting from. And I don't know about you, but I can't remember what I had for lunch last Wednesday, let alone how clear or energized I felt a month ago. Like it's not possible. We as human beings don't retain that kind of information. And so in the book, or if you go to parsleyhealth.com slash insights, we have this tool called the symptom score that we developed, but it's now independently validated in, in medical research that gives you like a head to toe symptom tracker, your gut symptoms, your mental health symptoms, your hormones, your musculoskeletal stuff it takes like two minutes and it gives you a score. And so I recommend doing that. And then I recommend going through and, and assessing yourself am I moving every day? Or like, let's face it, am I sitting 11 hours a day like the average person? Do I have a healthy relationship with my screens and my technology? Or am I staring at screens 15 hours a day or pretty much every waking moment of my life? And so when you assess those things, that can tell you where to start because you might be really into movement and really good at processing your emotions through the body, through movement. That might be natural to you. For other people that might be like, oh my God, walking, yoga, going to the gym, can't even, can't even begin. So self-assess, do your symptom score, kind of do a little life inventory, which we walk you through in the book. But then from there, we really talk you through the five core actions that are determining not everything, but can determine like the baseline for how you feel every day. And these core actions, I call them core actions because they're not habits. Like what you eat every day is not a habit. Biting your nails might be a habit, but what you eat every day is a life-defining action that you take multiple times a day and it can be wildly throwing you off or helping you feel better. And so we start with food, which you've already talked about a bit. We go into exercise because in the research, one study, people with anxiety and depression, 95% improved in six weeks of exercise only roughly 50% improved with an antidepressant. Now that's not to knock antidepressants, but the meta, those are important tools as well. But the medical literature is clear that exercise is a critical tool in our mental health. And yet most doctors are not prescribing movement every day 
for mental health. And yet the science is clear as day, like it, it's unquestionable. And so we walk through a recommendation for two days a week of strength training, which is really good for cognitive blood flow and cognitive function. Two days a week of something like dance, yoga, tai chi, qigong, pilates, and two days a week of something that's more aerobic. But this book is not about, I'll just be clear, it's not about getting fit or looking good. This is all geared towards what is the research around movement for mental health? Because our bodies are designed to process emotions through movement. And yet we've lost that a little bit in our culture. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. Last year, I had the opportunity to list my Montecito guest house on Airbnb. This was part of a special project that Airbnb spearheaded to build connection and to make the world feel a little less lonely. It was such a pleasure to get to know my Airbnb guests over dinner and share my home with them so that they could rest and recharge on their trip. But typically, the beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Being a host on Airbnb is great for those who travel frequently, have extra space, or own a seasonal home. If you've stayed at an Airbnb, you know the unique experience it offers. And now you can share that same experience with others in addition to earning additional income on the side. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. This is so incredibly helpful and is a really great way to start the year. It feels gentle, approachable, and also just kind of revelatory, especially thinking about things like heart disease and how movement helps metabolize our emotions and how our doctors and our care providers in general need to be thinking about us as whole beings. And I'm really grateful myself to have benefited from this whole philosophy that you are spearheading at Parsley. I'm curious for you, like, what are some of the things that have been the most baseline elevating for you? Like for, is movement a thing for you? Is it food? Like supplements? It's all of those things. You know, the past two years living inside of a pandemic, you know, there's all of this inertia that can show up. And so 2022 is really about gently ushering in a new wave of health for me. But I think gentleness and, and removing a lot of shame out of the narrative is so important because you know, especially I think for folks that are parents, when you're toggling between so many different contexts all day, you know, it's so easy to forget yourself. And it definitely still applies whether or not you're parenting. <laughs> it's very easy to let that part of yourself drift. And so I'm, I'm excited to just gently usher that back in that kind of vital baseline. Yeah, I love what you said about it's easy to forget ourselves. I think especially as women, we forget ourselves every day and remember ourselves every day on a certain level. And so much of health has come from the camp, as you also mentioned, around shame and, and what I call shoulds, right? And those shoulds come back to like self-worth and value. And a lot of it's based on physical appearance and being fit or looking a certain way or that version of vitality, right? And I hope that if anything... If any of the small silver linings that, you know, this pandemic has brought us, I hope that it's like a new sense of what health is in a mass way. And I don't know if that's going to happen. It's just what my hope is it's going to be because 
if we've learned anything, it's that health is so vital to how we feel every day and not forgetting ourselves on a daily basis and taking care of our health and investing in our health and being proactive about our health. Like, I hope that is the mantle that we adorn ourselves with as we go forward, right? There is such a need for us to kind of own our health and own this proactivity around our health and our bodies. And I hope that people see that and we've taken ourselves for granted in a way for like a little too long. And I hope that people wake up to that a bit. Thanks for listening to my chat with Dr. Robin Burson. For more from Robin, pick up a copy of her book, State Change. Thanks again for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. I hope you'll listen, follow, rate, and review all of our episodes, which are available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Goop Podcast.